Well, last week, we did an introduction to a series that's going to be based on the Apostles' Creed. And we started with the very first phrase, I believe in God. And primarily what we considered was, what does believing really mean? We talked about the fact that in Scripture, believing is never just a passive acceptance of some truth. Believing is always a commitment that leads to action. I left you with a question last week. How will the statement, I believe in God, play out in your life for the rest of the week when we walk out the doors of the church? So, what did you experience this week in terms of your belief being reflected in your daily life? Were you aware that some of the things you did, maybe some of the things you did not do, that they were happening because you believe in God and clearly chose to put that belief in action at given times? I hope that was the case. This week, let's begin to look a little more specifically at what we say we believe. I'll share a couple scriptures with you in a minute as we consider the next phrase, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. It's not just that we believe in God. This next phrase states some of the most important things we believe about God. It gives more detail than just we believe in God. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. That part of the phrase states two very specific and important things about the God we say we believe in. First, He is Father. Second, He's the Almighty Maker of heaven and earth. From very early in the history of the Christian church, there seems to have been a struggle to clearly define, at least within a human understanding, to clearly define God as both Father and Almighty. One early church leader defined God as Maker and Father. Another used the phrase maker, father, and guardian. And still another came up with this definition, father and creator, who is an ever-merciful and beneficent father, the craftsman and father of the ages, the all-holy one. As we examine the use of words related to the Father Almighty, a couple of things that we see. We find the use of a Greek word that means all ruler or ruler of all things. It literally translates as all holder or holding all things in your hands, in his hands in this case. The Latin equivalent of that word is translated as omnipotent. We know that word, omnipotent, meaning all powerful some early church fathers translated this to mean all ruling all creating an invisible god others used 
the phrase maker of the universe. There were multiple attempts, still are, multiple attempts to find the perfect phrase to describe what we say in the Apostles' Creed as God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth. For a couple minutes, let's look primarily at this phrase, Father Almighty. Though we won't, can't come to a full understanding in just a few minutes, maybe we can expand our understanding of who God is described to be in this phrase. As we look at the description, Father Almighty. We need to not get too literal. You know, the word Father, when attributed to God, is not necessarily meant to be connected to gender. It's not meant to be sexist or discriminatory. I think it's about two things. Two things often not connected in people's understanding of God, both of which make a huge difference in how we understand God. Now, when Jesus began to connect the idea of God and Father with the already existing idea of God as Almighty, I think he was connecting two ideas that a lot of people have trouble putting together. When they think of their concept of God, Almighty, the Father, Jesus represented two concepts, intimacy and authority. I don't know how often we put those words together, intimacy and authority. When Christ came as God in the flesh, one of the most basic things he taught was the idea of relating to God as Father. That was a new understanding of God and what God could be like. Think about, for example, the image of Father he created in the parable of the prodigal son. You know that story. A father who loved, forgave, offered reconciliation with his son. The story in which the son ran away, wasted an inheritance he requested from his father, ended up homeless, broke, after having totally abandoned and disrespected his father. The reunion scene in Luke 15 reads this way. While he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. 
This story creates a picture of intimacy and warmth alongside existing understandings of God before that point. This is a new kind of relationship with God that the New Testament offers, unveils in some way. If you look through the Old Testament, you'll only find about seven or eight times total in which the word Father is used to refer to God. Half of those are in one prophet's writings in which that, that writer speaks for God. And his hope is that the people might learn to relate to God as Father, seemingly hoping for intimacy. Seven or eight times in the entire Old Testament. But when we get into the New Testament, Jesus refers to God as Father twice that many times, just in the Sermon on the Mount that we read in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it continues throughout the New Testament, not only in the Gospels, but all of the New Testament. In the Gospels, it wasn't Jesus just saying God is His Father. He used the phrases like, your father your heavenly father over and over again we need to hear that as an invitation to intimate relationship with god and we should anticipate the same effects in that relationship as we might experience in a healthy intimate relationship with an ideal i repeat an ideal earthly father in a publication called homemade dr george Reckers says this about the ideal fatherhood relationship and understand this is not meant to in any way undervalue the motherhood relationship this is his writing about fatherhood a positive and continuous relationship to one's father has been found to be associated with a good self-concept, higher self-esteem, higher self-confidence in personal and social interaction, higher moral maturity, reduced rates of unwed teen pregnancy, greater internal control, and higher career aspirations. Fathers who are affectionate, nurturing, and actively involved in child-rearing are more likely to have well-adjusted children those things don't come just from a strong authority figure they come from a loving intimate relationship with an ideal father is it unreasonable that we might expect and experience a similar relationship and a similar impact on our lives from God that Jesus referred to as Father? Can I see some of those things in my life and other people's lives because the God that I know, love, and serve relates to me as Father? We say we believe in God, the Father. Is that intimate that warm, loving, fatherhood relationship a part of the God you know? If it's not, it can be. Absolutely can be. 
Now on to the next phrase. Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. This is the part that attributes to God the power and authority due to God. This is the belief that God is almighty and that it makes a difference in most of everything else we believe about God be a possibility. From beginning to end, the scriptures describe God as almighty. Sometimes using that word as an adjective, sometimes as a proper noun or a title. Let me share just a couple of short examples with you. In Genesis 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. It's kind of a proper adjective there to describe God. But then we see in noun form, in Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come. The Almighty. Consistently, the Scriptures lead us to believe that indeed God is Almighty. A lot of people believe that to a degree, even if it's just from the belief that God is the creator and if God made everything God must have some power some authority they think most people would at least acknowledge that whoever makes something has the authority to set the rules for its use if I make a game I get to make the rules for the game if you make a specific thing for your home you get to make the rules for where that sits for how it's just how it's used for what goes on with it if God makes something God gets to make the rules people will acknowledge that in most cases but even that idea of authority can be conditioned by each individual's willingness or unwillingness to submit to that authority why is it a big deal that we understand God is almighty? Because people all around us in our world today have tried and are still trying to dilute the idea and image of God given to us in Scripture. People want their God, small g, people want their God to be whatever they decide God should be. The God that makes them happy. The God that thinks and acts like they want God to. They either limit God by making up their own definition. Or limit God by refusing to accept the biblical picture of God. Even if they don't try to redefine it themselves. Basically, they try to control who God is rather than allowing God to reveal himself to us as almighty. The creed we're looking at, Rusty made reference to it with the children, and that phrase, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The creed reminds us that God is almighty because it is critical to everything else we believe to believe God is almighty. 
everything else is based on the fact that Almighty God has power to determine what is true about creation, to determine what is true in general, and all the principles of the world He created, which are true. If God is really Almighty, it is God who gets to determine how He is understood, defined, and experienced. Not our job, not our call, or anyone else's. See, when we try to do it, we'll always fall short of really defining and understanding an almighty God because we're using human minds and human understanding to attempt it. I like the picture created in this statement by E.A. Robinson. He said, the world is kind of spiritual kindergarten where bewildered infants are trying to spell God with the wrong letters on their blocks. Can you picture that? The little cube blocks with letters on them and a young child trying to spell mom or dad or whatever they might spell. He compares us to someone trying to spell God and we don't even have the right letters. It is for that reason that the early church, using the scriptures, went through the huge process of creating creeds for the existing church at that point as well as for the future church. If each of us tried to do it starting from scratch, we would find we are very inadequate for the job and that we might feel like we're using the wrong blocks to try and explain who God is. I think that's why so many people today have dismissed the idea of a God, at least an almighty God, because they can't understand, they can't explain God fully and completely. And since they can't, they figure no one else can either. Personally, I believe our inability to fully explain, to fully comprehend God is a part of what makes God Almighty God. That we can't fully understand God in human terms. You may know the name Blaise Pascal. He's a French philosopher and mathematician often quoted in um, multiple uh, resources. The greatest single distinguishing feature, he says, of the omnipotence or the almightiness of God is that our imagination gets lost when thinking about it, trying to figure it out, trying to understand it. I've seen enough of the work of God. A lot of you have as well. I've seen enough of the work of God to be convinced that God really is truly almighty. I can't think of a better place for our imaginations to get lost than in pondering all the mighty works of an almighty God. Sitting and just being amazed at who God is and how God works and understanding it's so far beyond what we can fully comprehend. The Apostles' Creed 
as well as countless scripture passages, reminds us again and again that God is unlimited in power and might, truly almighty. The creations of God and the continuous work of God bear witness to that truth. There have been multiple references to some of these things in, in the music we've sung this morning and in the, the act of praise that we read together. The creation bears witness to the Creator. All we have to do is look. All we have to do is pay attention. And we see clearly the Creator revealed in the creation. What does Almighty really mean? Maybe you've heard this story about a minister on an airplane who saw a young boy sitting and reading his Bible, and he looks over and says to him, Hey, I'll give you an apple if you can tell me something God can do. And the little boy said back to him, I'll give you a whole barrel of apples if you tell me something God can't do. Good picture. What do we mean when we say almighty? We're saying we believe there is nothing God cannot do. That he is unlimited in power and wisdom. And at the same time as Father invites us into an intimate love relationship with him. Is that the God you believe in? Is that the God who is impacting your life, particularly in those times when our mere human understanding, our limited human resources, simply are not enough to make a difference in what we're going through at the time? If it's not, let's talk about that sometime. I'd love to interact with you more about that. Our God, the Father Almighty, is both personal and powerful, intimate and omnipotent. We proclaim that when we say the creed that uses the phrase, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Believe it. Really believe it. Really believe in that God and let that belief make a difference in who you are and in all you do. It is God's invitation into an eternal love relationship through both intimacy and omnipotence intimacy and authority you are invited it is ours as a gift to receive simply by saying yes would you pray with me lord god we are astounded that the one we proclaim as god of the universe god of wonders we're astounded that almighty god creator of heaven and earth still wants to invite us into an intimate, personal relationship with you. 
we can't totally even figure out why you would do that, God. But we're so thankful that you do. For your love, for your forgiveness, for your offer of reconciliation and renewal of relationship with you when we mess it up. We are ever grateful. Help us to keep you in the proper place in our hearts and lives, in the proper perspective, to honor you as Lord and God, the Almighty. We offer our prayers of adoration and praise to you, the God of the universe. And we do that this morning in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.